0: Hello, welcome to Culture Fear. Culture Fear. Culture Fear. Culture Fear.
1: Culture Fear. 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 Culture Culture Fear. Culture Culture Fear.
0: episode 22 coming at you fast this week um yeah i just want to say massive thanks to liam who is editing these podcasts and a massive thanks to Stephen who's getting the logos sorted um find liam if you've got anything that you want to do at this time audio wise he's at liam C Audio on twitter um yeah so i had a good chat with eddie kendrick from all your favorite bands um and it was great i got to get real nerdy about crowd control one of my favorite bands um had a good laugh um yeah this has been really 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 helpful for um my noggin during this period i've got to be honest with all the podcasts staying productive um it's been that and then it's been dancing around the kitchen um that's pretty much how i've been trying to channel my energy um to my poor girlfriend Kate's um yeah she's out there A&E fucking doing the Lord's work and I'm just fucking running around in my fucking kitchen jumping around being a donut so hopefully you enjoy this sorry I'm rambling but yeah um thank you for listening That uh, we still got some more coming up hopefully Thick and fast for you. Um, hope you enjoy the chat with Eddie. If yeah, check out all his bands, they're fucking wicked. Um, tell your friends about this podcast. Tell your mum because she'll fucking love it, even though I was wearing a bit too much. Sorry, mums. Um, take care of yourself. Hit me up if you need a chat. Peace, right? So, um Normally, I start these by like just saying how you doing but um I thought i'd give the uh the people listening a little um backstory of like the first time I met you, which would have been two or three summers ago uh when I guess um our mutual friends were getting married, and the number ones played the wedding and oh, yeah. um Myself and uh, my friend Gabby were like, uh, well, I told her, I was like, you know, that guitarist played bass in crowd control. She was like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) And uh, we were like, right. (laughs) I had a few beers, uh, Dutch Courage, and then uh, just like cornered you at a bar and just like, (laughs) like, right, we're going to punish you about crowd control now. (laughs) So so I feel like um, it's nice to now do that in a slightly more formal setting of a podcast as well. Yeah, yeah.
1: Fuck, I forgot about that. Well, I mean I remember I remember chatting to you at uh, Donna's wedding but uh it mustn't have been uh, too bad a punishing because I don't remember the crowd control stuff at all but I mean I'm happy to be punished about crowd control more than probably anything else so <laughs> <laughs> sweet <laughs> had minimal contribution to any writing in that band so <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you're just as fan as much as everyone else then Yeah yeah like
1: I I mean they were going for years before I joined um I think I joined in 2008 and was like maybe the third or fourth bassist or something um <laughs> but uh yeah yeah that was like my my best friend uh, martin joined on i think he joined on bass and then switched to guitar fucking hell i can't even remember it was a long time ago but yeah it was really exciting it's funny like that was so long ago the only other band i was in at that time was a pop punk band that was like a dillinger fork and a pop punk band so that was a fucking a bit of a weird jump going from like (laughs) because i remember um going to hang out at a crowd control practice um just because i was friends with all them and Like I didn't know that they were, oh yeah, that was it. Martin was going to switch to second guitar and they were going to get a new bassist. And they asked me to do it, but they were like, you're going to have to quit your pop punk band. And like at that stage, I wasn't, uh, it wasn't like you're going to have to quit it because it doesn't fit with uh, our whole thing. It was just like, they were like, this band is full time. And they were like, you know, we're probably going to go to Southeast Asia at the end of the year, probably go to Australia next year, tour, probably do like a full us tour. I was like, wow, cool, yeah, I mean, I'll quit the band. Like, I mean, the pop punk band wasn't really doing anything at the time. It was like, yeah, fuck, I'd love to be in this band and do all these crazy tours. And I was in the band for maybe four or five years, and I think we did, like, a two-week tour of the UK. So, yeah, (laughs) it's pretty good. Glad I quit (laughs) my pop punk band for that.
0: Yeah, I mean, that band's now called Fallout Boy, so...
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> fucking
0: hell <laughs> um so before we get that get back get up to that um mm. so are you from dublin
1: no i'm from portlaoise which is about an hour's drive from dublin uh it's in the midlands it's like um like where at ross gray where rob and suffer from is like another maybe half hour further away but it's pretty yeah. close um i moved to dublin when i was 17 i think 17 or 18 um okay so like, yeah, like the mid to that, 2000, like 2006, I think I moved.
0: But yeah. Was that of your own accord or was that like family moving up there?
1: No, like I, I moved up to go to college um, in UCD in Dublin. Um, I'd been going up to Dublin a lot before then for gigs from when I was maybe 15. I think yeah. I found like an event online for like the first gig I played in Dublin. Might have been the first gig I ever played. And I think it was 2004, 2004, 2005 and yeah around that time there was a lot of gigs in Wicklow which is like the county south of Dublin which is crazy like there was loads of gigs in these small towns in like parish halls and stuff but they'd be fucking packed like hundreds of people would go to them and like we would travel there's no like direct way from where we lived across to Wicklow so we'd have to go via Dublin but it's just bizarre to think that people would travel for hours to go to a gig in like a scout hall in rural Ireland whereas now if a gig is like the other side of town I'm like not a fucking chance so it's like, yeah, it's just <laughs> yeah. weird. People were a lot, and, you know, not just like, I mean, obviously it made sense that teenagers would want to like, because you, you'd seek it out, but like, you know, it was older people, you know, people in their thirties and even forties gone to the gigs then as well. It's just like a different time. But yeah, I was going up to gigs a lot in Dublin before I moved up. So I kind of knew people up here before I actually moved up. Like I kind of already was friends with everyone, which is yeah, cool.
0: Yeah. That is cool. That And it's just so amazing to think like, it's just wild how, Things change so wide, wildly, like yeah, that you know, and I guess I, I like always think or like hope like things comes in cycles. Mm-hmm. But like even in the UK, I think like wow, that like city or that we well, not even that city, like oh like Boston, like Boston, have not Boston.
1: yeah, fucking hell,
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean like that,
1: yeah, I know what you mean about cycles, but like the fucking chances of it kicking off in Boston or Wicklow again are probably pretty slim. Um, yeah, yeah, I, 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 wonder, I don't know what the difference is. It's so weird.
0: Yeah, like I mean, I don't know if you'd know, but like I wonder if there's like I wonder if there was always different smaller towns that had like music scenes, mm. and then the internet's kind of killed that, and it's all centralised, or it's just yeah. over that few years there just happen to be these organic smaller like. Towns just grow certain things. Yeah, I have
1: have no idea. Like, I've I've thought about this so much, and even at the time, like growing up in like the town I grew up in is like a mid-sized town. It's not like rural by any stretch, but like you know, it was pretty. It was music shops and it was bands, but it it wasn't much of like a music scene as such. At least not stuff that I was into. But the idea that like these even smaller towns in Wicklow, like Greystones and Kilcool, which are really small towns. Like Kilcool is fucking tiny. And that had, that had like an insane scene. There was like 20 bands and they put out their own zines and compilations and had fests there, brought American bands over. It's like, Oh my God. I mean, this is like 2004 maybe. And yeah, I've been thinking about that for about 15 or 16 years and I still have no answers as to how that happened. Like Wicklow is kind of a weird town. There's always been like a lot of skaters and kind of like, I guess somewhat of an alternative kind of hippie scene there. So I guess it was just like a group of friends that were the same age that all got into stuff i mean it's the usual ways like reading crying or fucking whatever and then we're just much more proactive about it um, and yeah. yeah it's nuts i still yeah i have no idea i don't think it'll happen again anytime soon but maybe it was just like that perfect time when the internet was kind of still exciting and not as kind of overbearing or something i don't know fucking mad
0: yeah amazing um so where so so you obviously you were into music and then like started hearing about stuff like this like yeah. how did you, you you get into music then was, he, was um, you always into music family wise and stuff
1: yeah yeah like um growing up my dad like my family are all into music um my dad put on a couple of gigs when he was uh, a teenager and like uh would have had like a decent record collection just like i don't like thin Lizzy and black sabbath and stuff like that and yes my mom would also be into like a lot of Irish traditional music. And, but then my older brother, who's like six years older than me, he would have, I mean, I just probably annoyed him for my entire childhood and just like tried to emulate everything he was doing. So like he started playing guitar when he was maybe 11 or 12. And I remember like, we'd go on holidays to like fucking, I don't know, we went to like France or something. And he would have like Nirvana tapes and like therapy and offspring tapes and stuff like that in green day in maybe 94, 95. So that was kind of like the first music, that I remember hearing, like, and had actually, like, sticking with me, so, like, yeah. I probably, I was, I was very lucky, I guess, that, yeah, he had, um, he was at that age, he was, like, 12 or 13, and I guess this is at the point when that was, like, the biggest music in the world, you know, like, he was, <clears throat> like, Nirvana and stuff, like, you know, it wasn't unusual to be into that kind of music at yeah. that time, yeah. and it was a lot easier to find, so it was kind of, like, a perfect time for that, um, yeah, so I think I just kind of, like, followed whatever he was into for years and like yeah when he started playing guitar i probably got a guitar not long after and like probably like i still have tapes that he made me like that i would fucking i would just cry until my mom forced him to tape me his like pearl jam tapes and stuff so like <laughs> i still have those tapes but um yeah i think that was like yeah that was gonna be it. and he started playing in bands when he was like 15 maybe like i yeah. remember the first gig i ever went to was in his school in like a christian Brugger school in Leash. And his band, the Illegally Parked Frogs, played. And um, <laughs> what a name! Oh, fuck. And yeah, they uh, they covered Sonic Reducer, which I've um, bragged about the people a lot before, but I've always left out the fact that they were covering it because Pearl Jam had covered it before, so it wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't strictly speaking a Dead Boys cover. But um, <laughs> but yeah, but, but you know, so from then it kind of just led on. I just kind of followed him around probably for years, and then yeah, it, you know, met people in school that were into the same stuff, and you know, kind of just the standard story, or whatever.
0: Yeah. Amazing. And, um, did you, so you were playing guitar pretty early. Were you playing with black kids, your own age, like at school and stuff?
1: Um, kind of like, I don't really know when I started. like maybe I probably started when I was in primary school. So when I was probably like 10, nine or 10, and I got like three or four guitar lessons from this chap around the corner. Um, who was kind of like a local DJ, but had played guitar when he was a bit younger, but he was a bit of a fuck up. Like his mom would let me into his house and I'd go in to the, the front room where I would get the lessons. And usually he'd just be passed out on the couch. Um, So like very often his mom would like try and wake him up to be like, <laughs> the young fella from around the corner is here with his guitar. And he'd be like, what? And then I'd be like, oh, fuck, I got to get out of here. This is fucking dark. And uh, yeah, so I had the guitar lessons didn't last for long. But um, yeah, I uh, there wasn't really anyone, like I wasn't, didn't have any close friends at that age that were playing music, I don't think. But um when i was maybe 11 or 12 i think my friend dave bought a bass i think i can't yeah. really remember but yeah around then like I, my my mate dave got a bass and we started kind of jamming a little bit and then uh, a couple of years into secondary school so maybe when i was like 15 uh Derry, who was in crowd control and loose nut and a bunch of other bands uh, he moved to our school yeah um and he uh, we kind of started chatting on the internet which was weird considering we were in the same school in the same town but like this was kind of when message boards were like the big thing and he was actually in a hardcore band in port leash in the small town that we grew up in and i just didn't know which is like i can't even explain how absurd that is but like a tiny (laughs) town and they were and they were like literally a hardcore band like they had recordings and they were like a fucking hardcore band when he was like 15 or 16 and uh, yeah so we started playing in a band together around then and yeah it's very kind of weird like i met Derry when we were like fucking five or six and like Boy Scouts and then kind of didn't have any contact again until like 10 years later when he's suddenly like drumming in my band. But yeah, that, that's mad. <laughs> yeah, played in a band with him for a couple of years and yeah, he was kind yeah, of, that's yeah, still so, so good pals with him.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so um, and then so was it like the two of you and then like a few others that started going up to Dublin and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, like I think he probably, oh, he was, he would have been the one that showed me all of the bands like uh, that were going on in Wicklow and Dublin at the time. Like, it would have loaned me CDs and stuff. And uh, I guess probably showed me like what message boards and stuff people were using in Dublin. I'm not exactly sure how he would have come across that stuff. But um, yeah, so like from there, that's kind of how I ended up being in contact with like like a lot of people who are still friends with now, like um, Martin, who is in Loose Nut and Cry Patrol, who lives in London now, plays at High uh like connor from the bones i met connor the first day i went like in the first gig i played um in fucking 2004 2005 when he was 14 pretended to be 16 and um yeah that's yeah i think through Derry, i think that's how i kind of became aware of all the stuff that was going on elsewhere in ireland and like it completely blew my mind because obviously it was exactly what i was looking for and i just i guess i didn't know where to look you know and he kind of just showed me everything so yeah that was it it's all his fault
0: so were the bands like, um, were they all around your age kind of thing or were they like, there'd be like an opener or two that were like the younger lot and then there'd be like these bands that were like the ones that you saw as like, oh, they're like the Dublin bands. Um, There was there was bands that
1: were older, like the bigger bands were a couple of years older, but like there was tons of bands my age. I'd say the, the majority of the bands I was seeing at that time were my age, and like maybe a year or two older or younger. Uh, there was bands like this band Kid Blunt were pretty popular from... cool cool. they were kind of like i guess the first of that wave of bands and like their guitarist had set up a studio in his house and would record bands for like 50 quid a day or something so like tons and tons of bands have recordings from back then like fucking 14 year olds and stuff that like yeah there was like a bunch of really really young really fast hardcore bands which is yeah still like i can't figure out how that happened (laughs) properly it's a fucking anomaly (laughs) there's like i'd love to track that down like get those compilations because there's like literally 14 year olds playing bands in Wicklow in the mid 2000s and they sound like fucking house Rotten or something like it's crazy but uh
0: that's amazing
1: yeah so
0: so, yeah it's just so cool that like there was like the ability to like capture that snapshot as well like record those bands
1: yeah it's wild like that's that's amazing I, I, I definitely have some of those compilations here somewhere um and i think there was a blog run a couple of years ago a friend ed ran it where it was like an archive of irish hardcore and stuff like historically and included all that stuff but i guess it was like when mediafire kind of ceased to exist or like all that stuff is gone and i'd imagine is now on people's broken hard drives and stuff but yeah i definitely want to track that stuff down um because there was some really really good bands like the younger faster bands were just amazing like really good well yeah what was your band at the time uh, I was in a band called Guerrilla Nurse for a couple of years. That was like, I mean, I, I don't know how the fuck to describe it. It's kind of like stupid, like mishmash, like teenage thing where you've got like too many influences and you're trying to do too many things. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I know we did like minor threat covers and stuff, but like, I'm sure we also did like Alkaline Trio covers, you know what I mean? So like that kind of yeah. shit. Um, It was probably trying to be like, kind of techie like post hardcore which is fucking jesus christ but uh it was fun though it was a lot of fun to play and you know and, like it meant that we got to play gigs in dublin and kind of met a lot of other people through it um but yeah that was that was my band in school um yeah, yeah.
0: and then did when once you moved to dublin were you like um were you like eager to do a band or were you just like fucking ah oh, sick get to go to these shows i don't have to like travel an hour on the bus and... um
1: I I don't really know like I think that band was still going kind of when I moved to Dublin but like it was much much quieter like we weren't really doing much and then I I moved in with uh, my friend Dylan into this house in Dunleary in Dublin and we started having gigs in the house and stuff and before long I started like a pop punk band with him I don't remember being like desperate to be in another band I don't know why yeah I was very eager to be involved and everything. And I went to like every gig that was on at the time. Uh, but yeah, we like, we started a band and we used to practice in our kitchen. And that was, uh, yeah, that was this band Fridgetts. That was kind of like, kind of Dilger kind of, yeah, thrashy, kind of pop punk stuff. And yeah, that was fun. Like we, that was the first band that I played outside of Ireland with. Like we did a UK tour and stuff when we were oh, maybe cool. 18 or so. Yeah, it's nuts. Like met people yeah. on that tour that we're still friends with
0: now. It's mad. That's amazing. Like, it, um, from an outsider, um, obviously, I'm not sure. I'm thinking of like the t- the the time. I I wouldn't be able to say because obviously everything just merges together. Mm-hmm. But like, Dublin has always seemed like really good for, um, like the scene is not like music. It's not dependent on the sub like the sub genre of like punk.
1: Yeah, yeah. Do you mean um, like that? It's not too fractured.
0: Yeah, so it's not like hardcore for hardcore over here. Yeah. And then yeah. you've got like, I don't know, like even like, um, like um, uh, I can't remember what they were called, but like Martin did a uh, folk punk band, right? <laughs> Hell yeah, he did. What was it? Something about a disco? I was
1: to think <laughs> I remember. Was Fucking great. That's amazing that you brought that up because I was trying to figure out how I was going to bring this up. A <laughs> um, uh, disco trader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh (laughs) that to be to be fair, that was when he was like still in school. But that was yeah, that was Martin. (laughs) Fucking brilliant. Uh that was Martin and Dylan, who I lived with at the time. So that's around the time I had that pop bump band, that would have been yeah, they would have been playing. And yeah, like they would have played gigs with like crust bands and whatever else. Um and I was yeah, the lineups were very varied and kind of mixed around that time. Um I think they kind of got less, so they got a bit more fractured after the kind of teenage DIY kind of Wicklow kind of scene died off a bit when people start going to college and moving into the city, um, there was a bit of a kind of like a more the more modern hardcore bands um, playing like more modern hardcore style would have been a bit like separate to the cross kind of more DIY punk stuff. But again, like that didn't last long either. Like those scenes kind of merged after a while. It's just too small a city to, you know, have too many distinct and disparate kind of, you know, clicks or whatever.
0: Well, you, you say that, but um I don't know. Like I feel like not to but I feel like Sheffield's pretty there's like things where I'm like like obviously like being in like living grown up and like going to shows in London, I was just like always bewildered that people would go to one thing and then not go to another. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh like in Sheffield, I was maybe patronizingly because I thought oh smaller city. I was like, "Well, there's this band that I think sick and there's this band, why don't people go to the same things?" But um so I don't think like just because it's like a obviously Dublin is like a bit smaller. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you. Yeah,
1: it's it's weird because I think things are kind of like I think it does kind of go in waves because it it feels kind of semi fractured at the moment. But also like Dublin's weird. There kind of isn't. There's never been like many venues. Um, like say when Tenterhooks, like a DIY space, existed for however long. Like that was amazing and that yeah. like there felt like there was a very strong like unified scene then there was lots of touring bands coming through but once that stopped all of that kind of died off with it just literally because there was nowhere like suitable to take its place like jigsaw and Bose bar are both kind of fused a lot but that tentrocks was the one place that i guess people were like this is our space or whatever um and i think like when you have that like certain cl- scenes kind of I don't know, kind of set themselves up around that. Like, you know, the local and stuff in Sheffield, I'm sure it's the same. You know, there's kind of a defined scene that you would kind of associate with that. You know, there's certain bands that I would associate with the local, and certain bands yeah. that I wouldn't. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's It's just, it does seem to kind of come in waves, you know. Like, I think things are quite fractured here now. But also,
0: I, yeah, I uh, it doesn't. Yeah. And you hope like it doesn't take a lot for it to like all come back around. Well, I know? think,
1: yeah, I think a lot of it though, as well, is if there's not that many younger people, like the longer people have been around, you know, your friend group doesn't necessarily get bigger or more like open and welcoming, you know, you kind of just like, you end up just playing gigs with your friends' bands and stuff. Um, and when there's not that many young bands coming up, it's kind of hard to to mix it up that much. Like, I think there's kind of, like Dublin there just isn't that many bands as well you know as there once was there's not that many hardcore bands really um yeah so like which is you know it's annoying you know the same the same few bands will play every gig and that's kind of just the way it's going to be but I I don't know I hope there's a I hope there's a bunch of new bands soon I'd love to start a new hardcore band but I'd much prefer if someone half my age did it
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um yeah it's an interesting one with a young one I think that that's what Sheffield tries to think about a lot but um it's one of those things, isn't it? I guess like you're saying with like Hooks being this place that was like your own, you hope that with that comes like that organic kind of way of like welcoming people. They become mm. part of it. Cause I think that's a big part, isn't it? It's like, for sure. Yeah. It's yeah. like when you're young, you're like, this is my thing.
1: Yeah. It's insane. Like it just has a space to go. Like those gigs that I was going to as a teenager were like, I don't really remember. Like they would have, they're all DIY all ages gigs. I'm sure people were probably drinking at them, but I don't remember seeing, like that wasn't really kind of part of it, but like those places, we had the run of them. So like, that was really exciting. You know, if all those gigs were just in bars, I don't know if I would have been as bothered. Like I wouldn't have been able to go to a lot of the gigs, but like if, I, if that was like the kind of environment that I experienced like punk bands playing in initially, I don't know how exciting it would have been. And I'd imagine for a lot of kids who first start going to gigs in Dublin, during the era of tenterhooks like that was probably amazing and it was probably just because it's just way a much freer kind of environment and way more I don't know feels like there's a lot more room for possibility and like you know obviously there's no stage really as such or anything like that and it's not yeah it's it's a lot more organic and uh I don't know less intimidating but now I don't know if that's really there there isn't really equivalent spaces at the moment and it's like Dublin's kind of a horrific place at the moment. Like it's the the scope for opening a new DIY space is kind of just not there. You know, like the property prices are crazy and you know, yeah, it's not good.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine from like hearing about the like housing crisis and that, like you'd even think like if you were able to get a spot, you'd be like, why the fuck can we get a spot? But there's still people living at hotels.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Like, it's completely fucked. Like, I, yeah, I don't think, uh, I don't think there'll be anything like, that happen anytime soon, which is sad. But, like, there are still places that get used that are cool um, that hopefully can be maintained. And, you know, I like – I mean, I book gigs sometimes in, in Daily Man Park in the football ground there in the uh, the bar of the of uh, Bohemian Football Club. But, like, that's set to be demolished in maybe a year and a half or two years. So that's, you know, that's got oh, a limited shoot. amount of time left as well. Yeah, and, I you know, I don't think there'll be a space in the new build for us to put on gigs. So that's – yeah – that's a place that's gonna gonna be gone soon so that sucks but yeah i don't know
0: that that does suck especially like um i saw i saw recently the bohemians like refugees welcome shirt and stuff like that
1: yeah yeah that's um i work in a cafe around the corner from where i live here and my boss is like the director of bohemians so that was kind of his doing i think uh i think he's been kind of pushing a lot of the social kind of yeah The social awareness side of things there which is cool yeah that's amazing like there's a really good community around the football club like they've been they've always been amazing to deal with like I've been playing gigs there in the uh, bar there since I was like maybe 17 or 18 and like they've always been really really supportive of the and well really understanding as well because like the place gets fucking thrashed and like it's you know it's like I'm sure yeah it's not it's not what you—not the event that you want to have in your bar, you know, the fucking loud gig, everyone's screaming their heads off, and fucking teenagers <laughs> falling all over the place, like, and like a fucking nightmare. But um, but yeah, no, they're they're great. Like, they're it's a really great organization. Like, it's fan owned. There's like
0: everyone's a volunteer and stuff, so it's amazing. It's really cool. That yeah, that is brilliant. That is great. Um, so um, so yeah, so what um, what bands were you like? Uh, what were your what were the bands that were like? really getting you then back when like you know just moving to dublin and those first few years whether like it's like the local bands or like um just what were like your favorites Hmm. i guess fucking hell
1: uh when i moved to
0: dublin yeah i guess like um yeah early days kind of thing fuck i can't even think like uh let me
1: see i guess i was probably still just really into like early like the kind of bigger early 80s hardcore bands and stuff like that at the time like yeah. black flag and minor threat and kind of was probably becoming more aware of the like like say dys jerry's kids and kind of like agnostic front you know just the standard like getting into the broader range of early stuff i bet, like i mean let me see what year was that fucking hell i was probably still into like pop punk and stuff then as well and like i know we were chatting before about our um our own screamo past i think um <laughs> I I think everyone went through that phase. And, like, presumably was into, like, fucking Charles Bronson, whatever, like, goofy kind of power violence at that time as well. Um, Yeah. But, like, I was probably just into, like, absolutely anything I was coming across, you know, because it was just all so exciting. Um, I can't really remember specifically what I was – I remember listening to Oscar a lot (laughs) when I moved uh, up first – which is weird I but, fucking um, love
0: that I, Idle Will Kill <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't think I've I haven't listened to it in about like 10 years but yeah I'd imagine it's still fucking great guess this quarantine's a good time to dip back into the Oscar catalogue <laughs> fucking hell yeah
0: well just that what's it 40 seconds that patient song that first song
1: that song's a fucking that. tune yeah yeah what's the one that was on Punkorama? there's like the uh, real fast, like I think it's like a D-beat one
0: oh, oh, I'm not sure oh,
1: Panic fucking tune that was so good <laughs> I'm definitely gonna listen to Oscar today. <laughs> yeah. Okay, no. Um but yeah, I don't really remember it. Like like I've, i was probably hearing a lot of stuff through Martin as well. Um like he's always been just like a crazy kind of like culture fucking like he's just yeah, he's got very, very broad tastes, which I know everyone says, but like he really does. And yeah, yeah he was always always kind of providing me with cool new stuff to listen to. And Kean as well. Kean who's in number ones and he briefly played in Loose Nut. Like, I was good friends with him before I even moved to Dublin, and he was almost into, like, kind of weirder stuff. He was always really into, like, Gun Club and Velvet Underground and kind of a lot of folk and
0: stuff. So, you know, I had a lot of people around me giving me cool stuff to listen to, you know. I was very lucky. Yeah. Do you feel like um, the, like, lineage of, like, Irish punk ever played into, like, the stuff that your gateway punk bands, or was that a bit later on that you, like, realised there's, like, decades of it?
1: Um... I think it was definitely later on, um, like beyond the obvious stuff, like, um, like stiff little fingers and undertones and bands from the North and stuff. Like, I think like Dublin punk history is kind of not really, um, something that, that many people are aware of, um, here. Like when like bands like the blades and, and stuff like that aren't, uh, they, I don't know, they're like not as well known um yeah and there wasn't really as big a scene here like the north is just so much there was so much more going on for such a small space it makes sense considering the historical context but but even those bands you know like the lesser known northern bands i i didn't hear a lot of them until i was a bit older like i was already playing in bands like yeah. i remember hearing where they I, hear? I remember like uh, crowd control did some gigs with the shitty limits and i remember like in the uk and going yeah. back to eddie their guitarist house and Louis and Tim and Ellis just playing loads and loads and loads of punk seven inches because, like, they're all, you know, they all have really good record collections. And they were just shown yeah. as, like, endless stuff. And it completely blew my mind. Even, like, you know, Northern Irish stuff like Protex and probably, like, Star Jets and stuff like that. And, like, I'd heard I'd heard they Don't Ring Me Up single once, I think, before, but I wasn't really aware of any of the bands. I knew fuck all about them. So that was like completely surreal and probably bizarre for them as well, being like a bunch of English lads shown the Irish guys, uh, <laughs> all of the bands from their country. But um, that was, yeah, that was wild, like hearing all the bands then. And I think Tim made me a tape because I was really into it. Like they showed us like I don't know the nerves and like loads of uh, other kind of like poppier old punk stuff as well, and power pop stuff. And Tim made me a tape and I still have it in my tape deck in the kitchen and it's from, it still says do the pop 2009 on it. Yeah. And um, that was kind of my, I don't know, gateway to like being into the more like melodic, melodic older punk stuff. Cause I always like had a soft spot for melodic music more so than aggressive music. And uh, that, but that was like, yeah, where I heard loads and loads of old kind of just amazing, like punk singles and stuff. And that was kind of, just before forming the number ones, maybe actually, that's kind of what led to it. I think was yeah, yeah have my eyes open to all that stuff.
0: Yeah, so I guess um, yeah, we'll delve into like crowd control then. So they were already going for a quite a quite some time before you joined. Yeah, like you said.
1: I think what the fuck they put out like I think a demo and a split with Mob Rules. I think yeah. the I think the Mob rule split though didn't come out till I was already in the band like that that took fucking ages to come out like it was recorded way before i joined but yeah it took like there was so many delays that i like i probably played like the release gig for it um and then after that uh we did i think the only stuff i like that we released after i joined was an lp and that seven inch that um disposable culture put out yeah um, but yeah i was in i don't know how many bands or how many sorry how many years i played in the band maybe like three or four years so it was like not very productive but uh it was yeah, it was a lot of fun to play, and it was a fun band to tour with and stuff.
0: Yeah, because um, the the mute the the sound did change quite a bit, I'd say, from the two records that you're on. Maybe like not because of you, I, I don't know, but like the records before, like <laughs> yeah. um, those those two uh, that seven inch and that um, LP are like uh, perfectly like sonically similar. If that makes sense. Yeah, it
1: was all the one session. Um, oh okay yeah they were all recorded together i think yeah they were um I, with those the seven inch was just extra stuff that we had left over um that we weren't really planning on using it for anything i think we actually put it on a tape like just did a tape ourselves for a uk tour and then i think sam like sam knight um yeah approached me maybe and was just like oh do you want, like can i put this out as a seven inch so we did that which is really cool i don't actually have that seven inch but apparently it's all right um but <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, like but that stuff, yeah, like the LP and the seven inch, are, are like a lot heavier, I guess, than the earlier stuff. The earlier stuff is a little bit more kind of textbook power violencey or kind of like, I don't know, yeah. it's it's. It, but it just it got a lot heavier. We start tuning to fucking A standard and stuff. It was a bit a bit nuts. But um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty pretty heavy. <laughs> it's yeah, funny well, back. That,
0: when I like listen to it, I'm just like still after, like, I must be, like, probably, like, 9, 10 years. Mm. I'm just, like, where, like... Is, well, I feel like it's, like, the perfect... It's got, like, I don't know, like, I guess in the last, like, few months, I've listened to that new bib record, and I'm, like, this is yeah. brilliant because, like, it's got fucking, like, every type of hardcore on mm. one LP. That where can be like, hard to maybe, do, though, yeah. It can be, definitely. But, like, maybe because crowd control was, like... So down tuned, and the vocals are just like the vocals. Mm. It's like, um, like you know, like some of it is just like pure D beat, some of it, there's like some fucking like slipknot <laughs> parts. I'm, I'm sure of it, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just fucking wild. Uh, I feel I believe like those are um, corn parts,
1: but yeah, I see what you mean.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, for <laughs>
1: sure. Um, um, yeah, like, yes. Yeah. I think we probably tried to do too many different styles on that LP. Like, I can't really, yeah, I'd probably find it hard to listen to it now. But yeah, funny, funny fucking man. A lot of fun to be yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So um, so was you not right like, so like, um, you weren't writing so much on that record? No,
1: no. Like, I mean, we would all help with bits in practice and, you know, like work on bits. But overall, I think I think that LP was almost entirely Andy and Martin that wrote it um i think like andy just sang but i think he wrote a lot of the riffs and then like we'd work on stuff in practice but a couple of the songs were brought in like fully formed um but at that stage we were rehearsing like a lot like probably once or twice a week for ages so we kind of just got that lp and seven inch written pretty quick like the songs came together really quick and yeah then recorded it in
0: like a fucking a day or whatever um yeah but yeah like that was yeah worth going back to it's still probably for me it's like probably my top three hardcore records ever <laughs> Especially, yeah. and i just like listen to it and i'm like you know the second song that starts with like bass um oh god do I, oh yeah yeah know that song.
1: oh there's like this there's like a slow intro
0: yeah 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 and then like <laughs> because like
1: i'm way out of time <laughs> <laughs>
0: and, and then again. just before like everyone obviously everyone just pre- steps on their pedals just before <laughs> they like start playing it's just <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so good <laughs> well maybe i'll listen to that today jesus yeah a little crowd control on oscar after this
1: <laughs> yeah. i don't actually i don't have that lp either though i don't think i have any crowd control stuff um i i think i give i think i've gifted my dad every record i've ever played on so next time i go, when i'm a fucking legally allowed go see my family again i'll go down and rob all my records <laughs> back
0: um, well the only place that i've ever found it well not ever i it used to be on i guess the labels like blog which obviously went with mediafire yeah but it's on the labels uh soundcloud oh is it cool yeah yeah yeah
1: but which um, the uh the lp
0: yeah what is okay oh, yeah. um
1: well the lp was self-released but it was yeah, yeah but it had like a title ty- fuck we so we still have that soundcloud jesus christ i think the one that's uploaded is like a lower quality one as well um i think there's like a higher quality one somewhere and actually I got oh, okay. the stems. I was going to do like a new mix of it a couple of years ago just for the laugh, but I kind of forgot <laughs> about it. Cause I think it could definitely sound a lot better, but also who gives a fuck. <laughs> it was a long time ago.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that'd that be interesting. Cause sometimes with hardcore better not always better. Sometimes. Yeah. 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 Not definitely. Um, not, but yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and, uh, the other, um, I was like, last time I like put it on, I was like looking at the like the record like inlay and whatnot, mm-hmm. and I was just like fucking hell. These lyrics are intense.
1: Yeah, I was living with Andy <laughs> at the time, and I remember he'd come into <laughs> he'd come into my bedroom and be like, he'd just hand me a sheet of paper and be like, yeah, so there you go. And I just have to read it and be like, fucking hell, all right, yeah, like yes, yeah, so, okay, yeah. like I mean, another I really like the lyrics. I think they're really good, and they're not like very um, they're not like stereotypical for like hardcore lyrics. Like they're pretty fucking, pretty miserable. Like, but, uh,
0: yeah, I don't mean What's that. It, like walking yeah. in the room, hanging from a rope. And I was yeah, like, fuck yeah, you. Yeah, and then I like, looked at the name of the song. it's like brother or something
1: Be- bedroom. Oh, yeah. That's yeah.
0: Bed- bedroom. That's it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's really sad. Yeah. There's yeah. A yeah. lot of, a lot of pain in those lyrics. Um,
0: yeah.
1: but it's, yeah, it's, no, I think he's a really good lyricist. Yeah. And a wonderful sure. person. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Not everyone has both, eh? What what would you prefer, eh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um But um <clears throat> so one thing I remember hearing about crowd control as you hear like about bands from other towns, was mm-hmm. that um there was like so obviously I think that Crowd Control are pretty like perfectly crusty and like hardcore at the same mm-hmm. time. And they're like those two scenes of people in dublin like both got into the band and it was like uh, well i i came over for the last show in i in in dublin actually and oh um, did you the one in like Fibres or whatever that's it yeah yeah yeah. jesus christ all right and and it like (laughs) it was amazing and it like kicked off and i was like oh like i remember being told it always used to kick off between like the crusties and the hardcore kids
1: it kind of did yeah a little bit yeah that's yeah (laughs) i guess that's always gonna happen really like the kind of older crusty crowd and then like the kind of moshier young young fellows. But um yeah definitely but someone was talking to me about that the other day actually. Um bizarrely But yeah, yeah that kind of thing used to happen a bit which is unfortunate but you know what can you do.
0: Yeah. It's quite um I guess like looking back it's I just find it quite funny and like um especially with like yeah like I say with the tunes I'm like well there is like hardcore and it is crust. Like, you know, a lot most bands are just crusty or they're like yeah, or like yeah. very hardcore. Where yeah, we
1: perfectly straddled a balance between the two. <laughs> <laughs> no, we literally there was just like fast beat songs, and then we'd have like a fucking breakdown in it or whatever.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but, a um, full of guitar tone.
1: I do remember there was a period where we'd play and like <laughs> we'd be like playing our set, and then. Uh, like at every single remotely breakdown bit people would just start moshing and then just stop and just stand <laughs> still for the next bit and it was like yeah you know, it was like that's kind of just what happens but it was funny and andy got really annoyed and like knocked off the reverb off his pedal and was like kind of like kind of like give out to everyone it was kind of like look you can mosh but like please mosh during the other bits as well
0: <laughs> so only mosh to the d-beats it was so good
1: yeah people moshing for like blast beats and stuff
0: oh <laughs> fucking hell <laughs> Feedback mosh is probably the best kind of mosh. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Um, And then um, uh, out of that, was it just... um, Because, yeah, number ones was going like right at the end of... Was it going right at the end of crowd
1: control? Well, see, Derry moved to Japan um, towards the end of crowd control. And we kind of... We hadn't been doing much for a while. And that kind of was like the end of it. We didn't like break up, I don't think. But um, when he came back, I think we did a weekender in the UK... And
0: played
1: with yeah, like, that last <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, played that last shitty limits gig. And uh, to be fair, we were probably worse than them at that gig. So uh oh, but wow, yeah, played that. Wow. And, <laughs> well, to be fair, well, at least we played a couple of songs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we did that, and I think we did that last gig in Dublin, and then that was it. And I think by the time that we did the last gig in Dublin, maybe number ones were probably gone. I've, I honestly don't know what year, but it was maybe like 2012 or something, number one started which is fucking hilarious. <laughs> Consider we've done fucking 10 songs or something. But <laughs> um, so yeah, it was probably around that
0: time. Um, yeah. Just- Cause the other day I was going through my seven inches and, um, i found the number one seven inch was it on static shock well like uh, i presume it's the first seven inch and i was like fuck i didn't even i don't even um, remember this record the first one was on
1: art for blind which is art like for a, blind that's it yeah, yeah, yeah it's like an irish label run by this i think he might be we could be from sheffield i'm not sure but yeah this guy danny runs it um yeah that was the first one um i'm not sure what year that was but it was a long fucking time ago anyway um yeah but yeah that was yeah that was weird
0: yeah, great they they would um I mean maybe they're still doing great stuff. I haven't checked up on Artford Ryan for a while. But they put out some great records around that time.
1: Yeah, they did, yeah, they've done they've done a few bits. Um I'm yeah, I'm not sure what the last stuff they've done is. I know Danny had a kid and stuff, so he was kinda and he'd like they him and his partner moved to Sligo, I think. So it was kinda mm. like definitely slowed it down a bit. But yeah, good label, really nice guy. it was very nice of him to take a chance on us at that stage. Because we weren't like probably I don't know, that promising a prospect or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I don't know how we got in with Elvis. I don't know how we got Tom Elvis to put out a record, though. That's crazy.
0: Well, you've done... Number Ones has done quite a lot of stuff, right? Um, right. What
1: have we done? I mean, it feels like we've done nothing. I think we've just released the same songs a bunch of times. Um, <laughs> like, we released... We did a tape um, with... Just before we had the lineup, when it was like just me and Goucher... And oh, okay so it yeah. didn't start as the four of you no it started with just me and sean it was kind of weird because like, we didn't know each other before we started the band like we kind of we had a lot of mutual friends but um we wouldn't have been like in the same circles as such and we just mm. kind of i don't know i guess maybe through the internet a bit kind of became aware that we were both into the same stuff or whatever and he would have been djing at the time we would have like had good taste in music but I think we probably both knew the other was like I don't know, into Buzzcocks or something like that. So we arranged to meet up and he came out on the train out to my house. I was living with Chris, uh, Chris Mann at the time, out um, by the sea in Kalini, in like a little weird house by the beach. But uh, yeah, Goucher came out and we kind of um, just, I think the first day he came out, we wrote three songs. And that might've been the first tape we did. Yeah, it's like, we did it in his parents' house in the attic, me and Goucher and his sister and Eve drummed on it um in a school uniform which is pretty good uh and then we did a couple of gigs with like different lineups like just having people kind of filling in and did we did a couple of gigs in london actually with a temporary lineup which is weird uh i think Kean played the london gig so i guess he had joined at that stage and yeah. oh actually connor i think was living in london at this point possibly um, okay. for a while but anyway yeah sorry so it wasn't long after that that we got the the four of us together and got Connor in and that's when we did our first 7-inch.
0: Yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously all four of you sing on whatnot. How many of you like write number one songs?
1: Uh, we've all written songs. Uh, like the, the LP was probably written, I think me and Goucher wrote everything on the LP. Um, like not like every bit of every song, like because we would have worked on some in practice. But I think all those songs were like, that was already our set before the lineup was finalized or whatever. And then after that, we, the last seven inch is two of Kian songs and two of Connor songs. And then whatever we do next, I don't know. We might do like, if we do a new seven inch, maybe we'll all write a song each or something like that, which would be cool. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, it's, there's always been a lot of collaboration, like finishing off songs and like,
0: you know, it's everyone's kind of very helpful. Um, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, that is cool. Um, so um with um obviously i'm well if people aren't aware like you seem to take a lot of photos you put out like photo zines and just like um recently you've put so many like amazing like photos from like i guess just old books of ireland and dublin and stuff Mm. is that always have you have you always taken photos
1: uh, not really. Um, I guess this is, again, another way that I'm still just traipsing around in my brother's footsteps. Um, he's <laughs> uh, been kind of like into photography for a long time and he would have bought me like my first film cameras and stuff. And like, I have like I have a couple of rolls of film that I would have shot, uh, say, like 10 years ago. But they're all crap, like just like really like flying through rolls of film, just not really paying any attention to it um i don't really know when i actually started caring about it a bit more but maybe like the last six years or so i don't really know um but i've always kind of just used whatever camera i had that was still working or whatever when i got in a charity shop or whatever and like you know often like really crappy rolls of film and stuff which i never i never really particularly cared about that much but now that i've like started kind of scanning my own stuff and i'm actually trying to like put projects together and stuff i kind of i guess i care a little bit more um But the two things, the two kind of zine things I put out, yeah, they were just all photos from gigs from the last bunch of years. And yeah, I'm trying to work on new stuff now. So I guess this downtime will hopefully lead to a couple more projects. But I might do, might try to put some stuff out of like Irish photos that aren't, you know, that are completely separate to like punk stuff or whatever. But yeah, it's a bit scarier.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but it's quite cool that there's such a like... um that there's like from like the books that you're putting up, especially, and like, obviously there's seems to be a lot of people or like quite a lot of people putting photos up of like Ireland throughout the last 40, 50 years.
1: Yeah. I just, I don't really know when I started collecting those books. I kind of like, I don't, I can't really pinpoint it, but I do, I have a lot of books that I've just gotten in charity shops or like whatever secondhand places for Cause there's, there was just so much stuff came out, especially in the late eighties around the millennium, like the Dublin Millennium Celebrations in 88, there was just like tons and tons of books uh, that came out that were just full of either like people's submitted photos or there was like photo tours of like Magnum journalists and stuff that came here. And they all just had such huge runs that there's fucking endless copies of them for really cheap around. And just yet yeah, yeah. a lot of the photos are really amazing. But I, yeah, I can't tell if the photos are interesting to anyone but me. I just find them really like, I don't know, very nostalgic like it's nice looking at photos of what dublin looked like to me when i was a kid when i'd come up and visit you know and stuff like that because it's yeah, def- very different now you know it's not the not the same as it was
0: <laughs> yeah do you think that it's like um do you think that it's just a different type of dublin or do you think it's lost that identity and most cities just look like western cities
1: i think it's it's kind of a bit of both but like it's hard to it's hard to really say like you can't you can't uh, definitively um kind of explain it or like, I mean, it does objectively to me look w- much worse than it used to. Like yeah. the, yeah, it's gotten much more um, kind of just homogenized. It's just boring. But like, but there's still lots of like, I still really like Dublin as a city. I think it's a lovely shaped city. It's a nice place to walk around. It's like a really nice size. And like, there's still lots of nice looking stuff. But then, yeah, you look at a book from like the late 80s and it just, everything looks so much nicer. But, you know, I don't know how much of that is bound up with my own nostalgia and like whatever like the even like the fucking the color in the photos like people using old (laughs) film and stuff you know it's like I don't know how much of it is actually how much of it's actually gotten worse or whatever but yeah it's just there's it feels like there's less room for innovation and stuff these days everything feels a lot more strict and boring like when I was coming up there was loads of like bootleg tape sellers everywhere and stuff like that which was really exciting but now it's kind of just like in a lot of ways it's like being in any other city but you know, I still really like it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I think that, um, yeah, you can love a city and still be like, ah, this is changing. This is changing. Um, like it's yeah. There's
1: lots of and- there's lots of cool new stuff as well, though. You know, like people. Yeah. You know, so long as the people are here, there's still lots of great creative people doing cool stuff. So like, whatever. Like it's it has to evolve in some way. You know, I'm sure it was a horrible city to live in for people of my age at the point that these pictures were taken. So like, you know, whatever. I'm sure it's yeah. just my own kind of fucking rose-tinted thing or whatever.
0: Yeah, we always look past at the 20 years before and it's like, oh, fuck, just missed out when, you know, it's never really... Well, it is and isn't the case, isn't it, I guess?
1: It, it is, but like I mean, also, as well as there being loads of photo books that come out then, there's a couple of books, like um, this book, The Heart of the City, and another book uh, by Colin Tobin and Tony O'Shea, Dubliners. They're written at the same time as all these photos are taken and they're just talking about fucking like how desolate and horrible Dublin is, and about like like when heroin first kind of come in and destroyed the North Inner City and like all the dock works being decimated. You know, so it's like it was a fucking horrible place to live, I'm sure. But it does look very nice in the photos. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um so do you think Dublin is the city for you for the time being?
1: <laughs> Fuck. Well, it is for the next few weeks anyway.
0: <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fuck, I don't know. Like, I do like, I don't know. I've I've kind of often toyed with the idea of moving different places, but I kind of feel like if I was going to have done it, I probably would have done it by now. Like, I I mean, at least in terms of leaving the country, you know, I really like Ireland as a country. Yeah. Um, I probably wouldn't like to live in Dublin forever by any stretch. Like, I'd like to move out of Dublin, but probably stay in Ireland. I was talking about moving to Sheffield years ago. Um, okay. I don't know who I was talking to, but I remember talking to someone, whether it was like Mark or Donna or someone, because, you know, like every time I visited, I always really liked it and really liked the atmosphere. But, you know, when people actually live in a place for years, (laughs) you know, they're always just like, don't fucking do it. (laughs) Like when you actually live somewhere, it's not the place, you, you know, not the place you see when you visit it. Because people yeah. often say that about Dublin, you know, they come to visit and are like, oh, I'd love to live here. And it's like, oh, it's actually kind of shit. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, you've got to be here, have I am mm. 18 months, just over 18 months in and I love it. I've This is it yeah. now. This is definitely Oh, it. that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's once amazing. I finish uni, me and my partner will start saving up to buy a house and like stick amazing. here for at least the next decade, I'd say. Fuck, that's Um, incredible!
1: Yeah, could be you can really people can't you you can buy a house in Sheffield, like yeah, it's yeah it's affordable comparatively to other places. You can't fucking buy a house in Dublin. Well, I mean, people do, but you know, it's not a
0: (laughs) not not really not real people for a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, no, I do love Sheffield. It's got so many like nice. It's just got amazing people. It's like I'm like right, you know, I'm at uni in the center of town. I'm 15 minute cycle from there. And I feel like I'm like in a totally different place and we can afford a house without That's stretching insane. ourselves. Just the two it, of maybe us. I will move to
1: Sheffield. <laughs> I'm but sold like, again.
0: It's like um, the same thing, really like in 10 years time, like things will be pushed out of this. Like, you know, um, obviously like hopefully the new lug hole will be tied up once all this yeah, like, yeah. shit. shit. Um, and there are like things in place with the new Sheffield to look to the future. But okay. like, when you look at the other deal, oh, like, let's just look at where Lughole was. Like, yeah, that yeah. will be student accommodation within the next five years. Yeah, that's, like, yeah, well, that's it will what's happening flattened. here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's, that's heartbreaking.
0: Um, yeah. Do but they Sheffield... have a new place sorted? Uh, yeah, oh, well, um, I guess we'll just, because this is going on uh, live this week, but yeah, it's pretty close. Fucking amazing. Um, Cause, yeah,
1: everyone at Sheffield is very uh, proactive. They kind of always have been. That was always the, the nice kind of and it was always a nice thing there everyone was like a fucking trade person <laughs> like everyone could fucking build and like everyone's
0: so handy yeah not it's just amazing. graphic designers who are amazing
1: <laughs> don't get me wrong but um... you can't fucking graphic design a diy <laughs> venue though can you <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah that, that's yeah that's true <laughs> but there is the worry that sheffield is just 15 20 years behind manchester and it will get there at some sure. point yeah um, but
1: whatever i mean it's, it's you know all you could do is kind of try and resist it and like yeah you know, if you have spaces like the local like you know if you can hatch out your own spaces like that then like you know what better can you really do you know it kind of feels like it's too late for that here but maybe it's not you know i'm probably just a bit down trouble on the whole thing
0: yeah i guess like what i try and think is that everything that's like everything that i love is like made by people that are making it because they want to make it yeah like every now you know like sometimes i'll be like you know, the essence of everything I love is that. Yeah, so yeah. like to keep doing stuff like that, like, you know, um, I guess this is a real tangent, but sometimes I'll see like, I don't know, an easy one is like people playing at House of Vans. And I'm just like, that's yeah. not, not that I'm against people playing at House of Vans. People can do whatever they like, but like, I'm just mm-hmm. like, Vans get to live off of a culture that has been born and made through people authentically enjoying themselves for the last like 30 40 years and then yeah yeah they yeah. tap into that they're like oh look at this cool thing that's happened at vans like can you you play for us we'll give you some shoes but we'll take the last yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like we'll take your culture for that which um yeah I, of course yeah i mean, so, I mean that's, that's
1: always gonna happen yeah
0: yeah yeah which does happen so it's about like um yeah just like remember yeah so seeing but-
1: people doing it for the right reasons or such yeah i mean vans yeah like it's not like vans are doing it because they love <laughs> like punk <laughs> i mean the, i don't know what what does van like vans loves making runners i guess <laughs> that's fine but like yeah i don't know but, yeah I, I mean i wouldn't begrudge anyone for doing that either like no no I'm it's sure. just like if, it- i mean
0: yeah yeah but like um I get, but then we can still do that thing and like and you do and like the next cool thing is being done right now but like by people that authentically like it elsewhere i don't know like yeah yeah no no it's an interesting point. as much as like vans might try and co-op certain things the actual thing is still happening like so like the lug hole is still gonna have the sickest shows. yeah if exactly the people yeah, yeah, that are yeah, involved yeah. at the lug hole are like authentically into it
1: yeah yeah it's yeah. yeah it's insane that's what. yeah i can't wait for there to be a new space the old one was amazing and like it was just crazy like that. They had such a good relationship with the pub next door, and everything it was fucking nuts. Like it be, it just couldn't exist somewhere like Dublin. I don't think everyone would be too suspicious, and yeah, <laughs> the police would shut it down straight away. Like, yeah, like yeah. when the police would turn up to tenterhooks, hooks, we used to always just have to pretend it was somebody's birthday, which was like ridiculous <laughs> to be like, "Well, who has a birthday party in a lockup in like an industrial <laughs> fucking area? This <laughs> fucking birthday is fucking every Saturday and Sunday night or whatever." <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, I can't wait for them to do local. um cool.
0: The, oh, so, um so one thing I've got written here is um, about uh, two years ago, um, one of my friends was like, have you seen this music video? And he showed me the Bang Bros music video. Mother of God. One of, uh, probably my favorite music <laughs> video ever. Yeah, I fucking, don't know why. It's just so which silly is and brilliant. The, oh,
1: the one, yeah, we only have one video. The, the one in the it where we, the, it's like one continuous the, take or whatever. Yeah,
0: just in the press. Yeah, see, we're screen.
1: fucking ahead of the curve. Lots of films are doing that now, but <laughs> We did it, fucking, whenever that was, ten years ago or something. Um, yeah, yeah, Jesus Christ, uh, yeah, good video. That's all I'll say.
0: <laughs> really Look at that. Yeah,
1: it's
0: on the that YouTube.
1: Was <laughs> yeah, that was Google Bang
0: band. Bros, you'll find it.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> fucking hell. Um, and yeah, that was a very, very fun band to play. In. Maybe we'll get that band back together. I don't think it can happen in this fucking quarantine. They when we come out the other side of this people are going to be freaking out going back kind of I don't know I'm I'm racking my brains for like everything I've ever done in my life and I'm like people I need to reconnect with and stuff it's like <laughs> it's been two weeks like it's normal that I wouldn't have like you know I haven't seen like Connor in two weeks like I probably wouldn't have seen Connor now anyway I'm <laughs> yeah. just like fucking curled up in a bowl trying to remember what he smells like and stuff uh, stupid
0: all the middle-aged people reconnecting with their high school lovers
1: yeah, yeah, it's going to be good. And people are definitely going to start sending really embarrassing mails, and then when it's all over, just be like, fucking hell, what was I talking about? But, yeah, it is pretty sad, though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty sad. I'm laughing because it's awkward for the people if anyone listens, not because they the like <laughs> shit. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I guess um, the only other thing that I was um, – I, 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 I reached out to Zach uh, Golden, and I was oh, like, Christ. Any anything that I should ask? I I interviewed um I did a podcast with Lango yesterday, so I was like, anything of <laughs> these two, and um his response for you was just just said ask him about Piebald.
1: Uh, I mean, like I you, so you mentioned that earlier, but like I fucking I kind of forgot who they were. I think like I I can think of some of their songs in my head, but like what what kind of music is that? Is that like in like they're uh... are they indie rock, but kind of pop punk, but kind of like. Like I don't even know. I know that me and Zach used to really, really enjoy Piebald a lot, but <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna kind of disappoint because I actually don't really remember much of what they're uh, what what they sound like. I remember that one. Hey, oh. you part of it. <laughs> That's such a good
0: song.
1: Oh um, my! I need to fucking write a list of all this shit. I need to listen to this afternoon. Fucking Oscar crowd control and Piebald. Yeah, the um, three, the three big ones. Yeah, yeah, very good band though. I'm glad that that's what he got you to ask about because I've definitely uh, been in some weird situations with Zach. He could have, he could have gone a lot more, uh lot more crueler with his uh, questioning.
0: Okay. <laughs> have you got any nice, funny, cruel stories to say about about him then for the listeners? About Zach?
1: <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! Um. Oh God, I I kind of have to think about it because I'd probably end up saying something and then be like, maybe you have to delete that. I don't know. Zach's great. Um, if you want, yeah. Once you once you stop recording, I'll tell you a few funny ones. But uh, I don't know if there's many that I can actually say on this. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um. Sweet. So I guess. Um. I guess you've hinted at um, it, thinking about starting a hardcore band yourself, and the, uh, maybe a new number one seven inch on the horizon. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean yeah like I want to do a new band I want to do a couple of new bands um I'm trying to learn how to drum um which like maybe I might just record something myself just to kind of get something moving quick or whatever but I don't know like Dublin's also quite small so if i got to do it with people here it'll probably be the same people that you know I've played in bands with forever it'll probably just be all the members of crowd control again or something um but yeah, yeah, that's. I'd like to do something like that soon. Also, Connor has talked about wanting to sing in a hardcore band, which would be worth doing just to see that happen. Um, <laughs> that'd be fun. And yeah, in terms of number ones, I mean, I'd say yeah, hopefully a new seven inch, maybe a new LP. It kind of depends if we can get our stuff together. Maybe we start demoing stuff over this kind of prolonged break. But we yeah. also do stuff at like a ridiculously slow pace. So I don't know, twenty twenty four or something maybe new seven inch. I don't
0: know. <laughs> yeah. nice and um <laughs> was you on uh uh are you on the new strong boys record uh
1: no um devon uh, uh plays guitar for strong boys now i don't play for them anymore
0: yeah but, so uh, you're not on so that on record doing. that was that's no. coming up uh
1: no uh that's yeah i think it's devon unless i know emmett sometimes records like all the first stuff like i think the only stuff that emmett doesn't play everything on was the lp and yeah. we recorded that like i play guitar in that but um yeah i'm pretty sure Devin's playing on the new thing so i can't wait to hear that because all the songs all the newer songs are amazing like definitely their best stuff yet so that's very exciting
0: yeah yeah sweet cool well um thank you for coming on this podcast um thanks yeah i really appreciate the conversation
1: yeah yeah, jesus any and all conversation is much appreciated now (laughs) give me a shout back if you want to chat for like seven or eight hours sometime
0: cool well i'll stop recording now (laughs) cheers okay thanks so much There we go, Eddie Kendrick. We're going to play out with the song 16 by the Number Ones. He said he was picking this one because he wrote it after hearing his mother play the melody on a concertina and he misses her terribly. I think we can all, we can all, yeah. Take care of yourself. Catch you soon.